Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Oh, right over my head. Oh, that's so cool. You know, I've been getting a bit, I don't know, tied down recently. Feeling a bit tied down. I'm sure it's the same for a lot of people. I get a bit stir-crazy when I'm not able to travel because I'm a bit of a gypsy at heart. And so are a lot of animals. You know, they are wanderers and travellers and unsettled for a lot of their lives. You know, elephants cross deserts in search of water and caribou walk over hundreds of miles of tundra to give birth. Even little dragonflies get serious wanderlust in a big way. For these animals, travel is called migration, and it's all about survival, avoiding weather, finding food or a mate, all kinds of reasons, and there's so much that's still unknown about what drives animals to travel. So I'm here near home on the coast of Washington State, down at the marina in Bellingham, and sometimes when I think about distant shores, I look to the sky for inspiration, like these birds above my head right now. These are Caspian terns. They've spent the summer here, but soon they'll be leaving, heading south to southern USA and even as far as South America. But these guys have a cousin that makes the Caspian tern look like a homebody, the Arctic tern. This four-ounce bird migrates further than any animal on Earth, crossing entire oceans and the lengths of continents. So join me. Let's take a journey with a little bird that's the greatest traveler on Earth to find out why and how it pulls this off. From KUOW in Seattle, I'm Chris Morgan. Welcome to the wild. This podcast is free and it's accessible to everyone thanks to support from listeners like you. If you value this show, please consider supporting its production by donating to our home, KUOW. It only takes a minute to give and you'll be helping to support the production of this podcast. Make a donation at KUOW.org or follow the link in the show notes. And thanks. It's July in the high Arctic, the east coast of Greenland, land of the midnight sun. And here is a small colony of noisy Arctic terns. It's bright and sunny, there are giant snow-capped mountains behind us, and the Arctic Ocean in front. We're just a few hundred miles from the North Pole. There are hundreds of Arctic terns in this colony, delicate birds all sitting on the ground with little red legs that clearly aren't made for life on the land, definitely not in their comfort zone. They've been on this Arctic beach here since May to mate and lay their eggs and help their young grow strong. They're going to need it for the monumental journey ahead. And it all begins in this little patch of Arctic pebbles on a beach in Greenland. Arctic terns are beautiful, one of my favourite birds on Earth. They look kind of like a small gull, orange bills, ivory-white feathers, 
I always think there's something sharp about them, pointed. Beaks, wings, and, and their forked tail. These are diving birds, built to plunge into the ocean after fish and crustaceans. They can hold several in their beaks at once. Arctic terns have a streamlined black cap across their head and eyes, like a superhero mask. And despite their small size, they're feisty. I've been mobbed a lot by these birds in the Arctic while walking past their nests of precious eggs. They're very defensive parents, attacking from the sky, usually from behind so you don't see them coming. They can draw blood from your scalp if you're not careful. Oh, ouch! That did hurt, but I can't blame them. You have to be tough to live in this extreme environment. A pair of terns has raised two chicks successfully on the beach. It's a really short but abundant summer here. Food has been plentiful, but it won't last. It's time to leave. Suddenly, like some kind of magic synchrony, the terns fall silent. It's called dread, the moment before they take flight, like a communal acknowledgement for what is about to happen. A few seconds later, they take flight, all of them at the same time. The sky turns white in a swirl of wings. They're off, on a mission to the other side of the Earth. Migrating in a large group like this benefits the birds in two ways. If a predator shows up, you're less likely to be the one to get hit. Your neighbor may get eaten, but you're safer. And more eyes means a higher chance of someone spotting some tasty fish to eat on the flight south. Their journey south begins with a flight along the eastern edge of Greenland, the world's largest island. No small feat in itself. The North Atlantic provides the first major fuel stop. It's like a deep water bounty in the middle of the ocean, 2,000 miles from home, called the Newfoundland Basin. It's a krill hotspot. The terns stage themselves here for about a month, gorging. The krill are crustaceans, like a two-inch shrimp, and they feed the entire ecosystem from giant whales to our tiny birds that dive from the sky to catch them. Land is far away, well out of sight. Sometimes they rest on driftwood or seaweed. The terns are ocean birds, and here they are right at home. But they have to stay ahead of winter, and it's now September, so they leave the North Atlantic and push on south towards West Africa. They sleep as they fly employing unihemispheric sleep, shutting down one side of their brain while maintaining tight control over the other. They get captured by a strong wind current, rolling with wherever it takes them to save energy, even if it sometimes blows them thousands of miles away from the most direct route. But it's also a route towards more food and more sunlight. Behind them to the north, Greenland is beginning to enter the darkness of winter, the air becomes thick with moisture in the intense heat as the birds cross the equator. Thunderstorms crack open the sky. And here, a 5,200-mile flight from home, something curious happens. The terns split up. 
Some cross the Atlantic and swoop down the coast of South America. Others follow Africa's coast. Together, their flight paths outline the shape of the southern Atlantic Ocean between these giant continents. Whichever route they take, the Arctic Terns continue a monumental, continent-sized chunk of the journey, thousands more miles southwards. At the tip of Africa, they are within reach of their destination, Antarctica, surrounded by the Southern Ocean. And one of the most productive parts of this ocean is just 3,000 miles away, as the crow flies. The Weddell Sea. It has the highest density of Antarctic krill, a southern bonanza for the birds. It's not known why, but some of the terns break off and fly away from their destination. These guys just love flying. They hook around Africa and fly deep into the Indian Ocean, more than halfway to Australia, before turning back south, then west, to settle in at the Weddell Sea. And there, they feast. The terns that arrive here find a life of plenty. And now, in November, the sun is high in the sky, and birds have timed it perfectly. It's the Antarctic summer, their second summer of the year. Right now, the beaches they nested on in Greenland's Arctic are in pitch darkness, and it's 30 below. No place for a little bird. They dive from the sky to fill up on krill and perch to rest on icebergs broken off from the Antarctic ice sheet. Their calls seem to celebrate life, celebrate survival really. Their journey south has taken the Arctic terns four months. Some of them have flown over 25,000 miles to get here. And here they will stay for several months. That is, right up until the Arctic spring in Greenland calls them back home. It's hard to imagine, but this is only the halfway point in their yearly journey. By early April, our travelers are pulled back north, this time on a route that creates a giant S-shape across the Atlantic Ocean, swirling from Antarctica towards Africa across the equator, following deep, food-rich waters, sometimes carried 300 miles a day on huge, spiraling winds, and then switching in an arc curving from the Caribbean for the final stretch carried home to Greenland. They land on their beach on a sunny day in May, and their 10-month journey comes to an end. They have flown 50,000 miles, 50,000 miles, on one pair of wings, crossing Arctic, temperate, tropical, subtropical, Antarctic regions. But even an animal this tough, this resilient, is still part of a delicate balance. Climate change could eliminate up to 50% of their habitat, make it harder to find food, create more intense storms, and change wind patterns. They lead harsh lives, but Arctic terns can live a long time, sometimes over 30 years. And in that time, they can clock one and a half million air miles. That's the moon and back, three times over. I miss roaming the planet, but those days will return. For now, I'll take to the skies with my gypsy friend, the Arctic tern. 
What a freedom of spirit. Nature knows no boundaries. The terns chase the sunshine towards the poles and see more daylight and more of the planet than any other creature. Like rewards for these magnificent little global citizens through life as a perpetual wanderer. This episode is based on the fascinating work of researcher and photographer Karsten Egervang and his team. He studied the movement of Arctic terns by attaching miniature geolocators onto their legs, no bigger than the size of a match head. His work revealed so much about the movements of Arctic terns. The Wild is inspired not just by nature, but by people like Karsten, who work in it, love it, protect it. We have more information on our website, thewildpod.org. This episode is dedicated to the memory of Tommy Lanier. A very special thank you for their kind financial support to Ellen Ferguson, Jill and Scott Walker, Anna Kimball, John Taylor, Bob Yellowlees, Mark and Rebecca Wilkins, and Annie Mize. The Wild is a production of KORW in Seattle, Wildlife Media, and me, Chris Morgan. Our producer is Matt Martin. Jim Gates is our editor. Our production team includes David Brown, Juan Pablo Chiquiza, April Craig, Tio Popescu, Mariah Powell, Brendan Sweeney, and Jeannie Yandel. Our theme music is by Michael Parker. I'm your host, Chris Morgan. Thanks so much for listening, and take care. My name's Claire McGrain, and I'm a producer for Seattle Now, KUOW's local news podcast. There is a lot happening in our region, and it's a lot of work to keep track of it all. We'll get you caught up on the latest news and take a deep dive into something happening around the city, all in under 15 minutes. Get a morning walk-in or grab a cup of coffee and start your day with us. Learn something new and connect with our city by searching for Seattle Now wherever you get your podcasts.